Isaiah chapter 53. Who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied by his knowledge. My righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Thanks, Lavina. Uh, if you've got your Bible there, we're going to be concentrating on verses 10 through 12 this morning. Uh, so keep those verses handy and you'll be able to follow along with us. Uh, you may have noticed uh, recently that it is an election year. Uh, you may have noticed that we're going to be voting uh, soon. If nothing else, the, um, the signs that have appeared everywhere like weeds have probably given it away to you. Uh, or the fact that all of a sudden uh, northwest Tasmania is a popular place for politicians to come and visit. It's almost like we live in a marginal electorate. Amazing. But what that means is, uh, not only do we have to see politicians everywhere and uh, all the time, what it means is that election promises start to rain from the heavens uh, thick and fast, one after the other, all specific to the area that the politician is in at the time. Uh, new policies are announced every day. There is money for this, that and the other. There are tax cuts for certain people, benefits for others. There are exemptions for other people, funding, programs, 
more and more every day. And it is utterly bewildering. I, I don't know if you can keep track of it. I can't. It just doesn't. It, it's just too much. And if it's your intention this year to vote on the party that is going to give you the, must, uh, the most, uh, good luck to you. I don't think anyone could ever work it out. It is so confusing, uh, such a nightmare. I mean, trying to figure out when a, a new policy comes into place, if it's actually going to be of any advantage to you, is almost impossible. I mean, will this apply to me? Is it any benefit for me? Is it going to change anything for me? Who knows? Uh, and we certainly won't find out during an election campaign. You have to wait till the election's won. Uh, and only then can you actually figure out, first, if the promise is going to be kept, uh, and secondly, if it will be any benefit to you. Now, as we read through Isaiah, as we read through the account of Jesus' resurrection from Luke, what you might have noticed there is that there is a lot of promised good. There is a lot of potential good that is spoken of. I mean, after all, it was called Good Friday for a reason. Uh, there are good things spoken of. Jesus' sacrifice in our place, his resurrection. That seems like really good news. It seems like really amazing news, in fact. But the question, is it for us? Are we in a place to benefit from this? Is there good for you and me from it? Maybe. Who knows? How do you know? How could we actually be sure of that? That this good news is indeed good news for you and me? Well, if you've been here for a while, you'll know that the answer is yes. Yes, it is good news for us. How do we know? Well, what we're going to see today is, what Isaiah is showing us here is, that the resurrection is the confirmation that we need. It is the guarantee that yes, this good news is good and it is for us. And we're going to see that as we work through this passage this morning. Uh, even though Isaiah wrote many, many years before the events uh, that, the, of Easter, we can see straight away that this chapter promises that Jesus' death is about so much more than just Good Friday. Look with me again at verses 10 through 11. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. One of the, the themes that runs through this chapter is that the, the death of the servant, the death of Jesus, is no mere accident. Uh, it's not a surprise. It's not as if uh, he and God the Father were somehow caught out by this, and as if they didn't see it coming. We saw on Friday that not only was Jesus willing, but added here, uh, God too was willing for this to happen. In fact, it was all part of his plan. Jesus was to die for sins. He is our guilt offering, offering himself up in our place for the sake of our sins. But that's not all. Because after his death there is more. And if you saw the promise made here in uh, verse 10 and verse 11, after death, Jesus is going to see the results of what his death achieved. Uh, in verse 8, uh, as we read it, we see who can speak of his descendants. After all, Jesus was going to die. There, there was no chance for him to have any offspring. But now there comes the promise. 
He will see his offspring and prolong his days. Jesus will see the fruit of his work. In fact, God's going to prolong his days. Even though he's died, he's going to give him many days, a lot of days. And what's more, the will of the Lord, that is the great plan of God to, to save a multitude, is not only going to find success, but Jesus is the one who's going to bring about that success because the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. See, what we're being told here is there must be more to this than just Jesus' death. He must live too because these promises tell us that he will. After his suffering, after his death, he will live and many will be justified by his work. That is, made right with God, acquitted of their sins and escaping their punishment. Jesus will not be ignorant of this. It doesn't occur uh, with him dead and never knowing or never seeing. He will see all of this happen because he will be alive. See, the point Isaiah is making is it's not just enough for Jesus to die. If Jesus only died and never lived, then these words would either be a lie or they would stay unfulfilled. For Jesus' people to know that they are justified, to know that they are really right with God, that is forgiven and free from condemnation, then Jesus' work must be complete. Then this must take place. He must return from death. Uh, maybe, maybe we can illustrate. Imagine uh, for me, uh, for a moment, that you somehow, I, I don't know how, but somehow you find yourself in debt, uh, terrible debt, to the local mob boss. Now, you look all very respectable, but I know you've got a seedy underbelly. You are in debt, uh, up to your neck to Fat Tony, because what else would a mob boss be called? And you have no way to raise that cash. You cannot make good on your debt. And so the full force of mob wrath is heading, heading your way. You, you've heard all the rumours. You're soon going to get to experience it for yourself. Obviously, you are terrified. This is a bad spot to be in. But your friend... Your friend hears of your plight and they come to you and they say, look, don't worry, I've got this. I've got the cash, I'm going to go and pay the debt, I'll see Fat Tony and I'm going to sort this out for you. Now you're going to be relieved, aren't you? That's great. Uh, You're not going to face whatever the mob would want to do to you. Uh, your, Your debt's going to be paid. But what if your friend goes to see the mob and doesn't come back? What if they don't go home that night? Uh, They're not answering your calls. What if days go by and they're not heard of, not seen? What then? You're going to be a bit nervous again, aren't you? Obviously something's gone wrong. This has not worked out. Uh, Now you're going to be terrified. Something's something's happened. It's time to leave home. Uh, it's, it's, It's all going to come back to you. But on the other hand, if your friend does come back, then you know you're right, don't you? If they come back and say, your debt's paid, you're in the clear, you're you're all worried, you're all fine, then you're going to be happy, aren't you? Then there's no worries for you, you're going to be glad, you're going to be grateful because you know then that you're safe. Well, Jesus has come back. Jesus has come back. And his resurrection tells us that we are all sorted with God. 
God has accepted his offering in our place. The sacrifice of himself has pleased God, has paid our debt and our punishment is averted. We are free, we are safe. Romans 4.25 puts it like this. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Uh, A famous preacher from the the 50s, Martin Lloyd-Jones, put it this way. If the Lord Jesus Christ had not literally risen physically from the grave, we could never be certain that he had ever really finished the work. When God raised his son from the dead, he was proclaiming to the whole world, he has done everything. He has fulfilled every demand. Here he is risen. Therefore, I am satisfied with him. Jesus is alive and with him your hope, your certainty, your confidence is alive too. If your trust is in him, then you have no worries, no concerns, no uncertainties about how you stand with God. You are acquitted because he has paid your debt and returned to prove it so. I mean, you might feel it sometimes, maybe at school or at work, maybe even at home. Uh, you know, you, you can't quite figure out if you're all good with you know, how you stand with your teacher or your boss uh, or your wife. You, you just don't know. Are they pleased with you? Are they happy? Have you done something wrong? Are you in trouble? Uh, have you somehow missed out? It, that's uncertainty. It's awful. It's, it's really stressful. But what we're told here is you'll never feel that with God. If your trust is in Jesus, then there is never any doubt about how you stand before him because his resurrection is your confirmation. Romans 8 says this, There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And the resurrection tells you that that is your confidence. As Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians 15, If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Jesus lives, as we say, he is risen indeed. And his resurrection means the end of our fear, the end of our insecurity, the end of our worry and concern, and instead a life of glad joy, because our debt is paid. God has accepted his sacrifice, and you are free. But there's more here. Because Isaiah goes on to tell us that not only will our debt be paid in Jesus, but we will get to share in his abundance too. Look with me at the promises that God makes to him in verse 12. Therefore I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Uh, Here the the language of this chapter shifts somewhat. Uh, Beforehand Jesus has been presented as the humble servant, the one who's going to suffer, who's going to be rejected, uh, who's going to be scorned. And, And now that all changes a bit. Now all of a sudden God is saying, because he did that faithfully, I'm going to reward you. Uh, I'm going to treat you as uh, one who has obeyed. Now the servant all of a sudden becomes exalted. Now Jesus is victorious. He is raised up because he is one, because he's the conqueror. He has passed through sin and death and judgment on behalf of the transgressors and he has come out the other side. He is alive and not only alive, 
He is triumphant. As 1 Corinthians 15 says again, He must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. And a little later in that chapter, death has been swallowed up in victory. Jesus has won. Jesus is triumphant. Jesus is raised by God to be the king. He has overcome and his resurrection is proof of his victory. And to the victor go the spoils. And that's God's promise here. God will reward him richly. God will give him a portion. He will divide the spoils. All of eternity, all of uh, authority, all riches are Jesus. God has gifted them to him. They are his reward for his obedience. And what's amazing for us is Jesus promises here to share those spoils. He promises to share them with his people. Uh, There in verse 12, he will divide the spoils with the strong. Uh, He will uh, have this portion among the many. Uh, The words great and strong there, they can mean uh, many, the the numerous. What we're being told here is that from great and small, uh, as many as will come, all those who trust in Jesus will receive from him. Not because they've earned uh, some share, not because they've merited some part in what he has done, but simply because he graciously gives. He graciously shares what God has given him. All that he has won, all the reward given by God, victory and riches and eternity and even a place in God's family, he gifts to his people. Uh, If in the late 70s, you had taken a pile of your, serving, uh, your savings, a pile of cash, uh, and invested it into a small tech startup run in someone's garage, you probably would have been called crazy. Uh, probably most people would say, that's just a nuts decision, you've lost your money. I mean, after all, only a few years before that, the president of IBM had uh, been on record as saying that he only envisioned a world market for maybe five computers. Five computers, that's enough for the whole world. Why would you invest in a tech company, honestly? But, you know, if you'd been bold or silly, whatever you would feel, uh, and had bought 10 shares in this tech startup with a weird name and logo, Apple, if you'd done that in 1980 for the princely sum of $200, you would now be proved of having made a good decision. Uh, last year, your $200 would have been worth 124000 and some, not including your dividends, uh, your investment would have actually returned 56,465%. That's pretty impressive. See, the, the, the triumph of Apple, the, the, the winning of Apple, that they could uh, take over the world, in, in, so to speak, uh, and win such riches because you'd invested in them, that was yours to share. Their victory is yours to take part in and to benefit from. And what we're being told here is so too, Jesus. So too, Jesus, but so much more. If you uh, invest your life in him, so to speak, if you put your trust in him as this humble, suffering, dying servant, then you get to share in his victory too. You get a part in it. You don't have to wait to see if this is going to turn out to be a good investment because we're already shown here it is. He already lives. He's already been given these gifts from God. Uh, You won't lose out. Because the very riches and gifts of God, the very life of resurrection, he shares with you, with all his people. 
all his triumph, everything he has won is yours as well. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. Thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you put your trust in Jesus, then his resurrection is the promise of yours. His triumph is your triumph. His life is your life. His riches are yours too forever. None of these things you can earn on your own. Uh, There is no one else who can gift them to you. You can't buy them anywhere. They are unique to Jesus. All you can do is receive them. Now if you choose to go your own way, you'll find nothing that lasts. But if you go with Jesus, even though it costs now, you will find blessing to follow and a hope that endures beyond death. Now we're not going to beat around the bush here. It takes trust uh, and there is a cost. It might mean that your life uh, now will look a lot like his did. It might mean scorn and hardship and suffering all for the sake of his name. But whatever the cost, the promise is a hundred times greater. It is eternity in glory. That is what his resurrection has won for you. And that's why we need Easter Sunday. Uh, As good as Good Friday is, Easter Sunday, the resurrection says, all of that goodness is yours. All of it is guaranteed for you. It is more than a dream to aspire to. It is more than just a wish. It is more than just a chance and a possibility. The resurrection says it is sure. It is guaranteed. It is a certainty. Jesus is alive. So you stand acquitted before God. Jesus is alive. He has won and you in him. He is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the good news of the resurrection. Jesus lives and so we know that we have no need of fear before you for we are justified in him free forever from, the, from our sin and its punishment. Jesus lives and so we know that we will too because he graciously shares his life with all his people and not only his life but his riches for eternity. Father, as we reflect on the resurrection today and in the week ahead, may you give us great confidence. May you give us overflowing joy as we remember that Jesus died and that he lives again as our risen Saviour. In his name we pray. Amen.